All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, Mark Spector just pulling up probably to the rink in Carolina, getting ready for a couple of morning skates. Uh, it's the Oilers, 5-11-1, taking on the Carolina Hurricanes, 10-7-1. Hurricanes, 7-3 uh, and three in their last 10, 5-1 uh, at home. Got off to a bit of a slow start, but uh, on the heels with, uh, well, I guess with Washington and Philadelphia chasing the New York Rangers in the uh, Metropolitan uh, division. Uh, time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we welcome in Mark Spector from Carolina. Are you going to have some of those Carolina honeys today, Speck? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just had breakfast. A sack of pancakes. Does that count? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Quick sidebar. I don't know. The Carolina Honeys, they were a big rib at Tony Romans, correct? Do you remember? Yes. Uh, sure. and real just quick sidebar of course everyone knows Brian Hall some guy phoned into Halsey's show 25 years ago when Halsey was doing the uh, Tony Roma's spots right and he'd said oh yeah yeah. and yeah. Halsey's line was Tony Roma's the best tasting ribs in North America some guy phones in Speck and says Halsey Tony Roma's don't even have the best tasting ribs on 51st Avenue never mind North America <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know of course you've known Halsey for 40 years you know what he said he goes oh you don't like ribs oh we got chicken we got burgers we got it all man <laughs> that's it it went through the whole menu way to go yeah, exactly yeah uh, that's the old uh, days of radio um so uh you got to Carolina okay did you everything good travel wise and things like that yeah, everything's great, man. I'm standing outside the arena. I haven't quite gone in yet. I just pulled up my birthday today. So I'm oh, happy like birthday. Feeling good. Thank you. Going to cover a good hockey game tonight. It's always fun to come here. Reminds me of 2006 being here. Uh, it, so, eh? yeah, here we go, man. Hockey day again. What about that 2006? That was, I mean, you guys, I mean, I, I wasn't traveling with the team in the final on, on that year. But, boy, oh, boy, that was the best, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it would, came out of nowhere. Like, no one saw that team get into a Stanley Cup. They were an eighth-place team. But it was one of those years where the thing I remember the most was after the first round in the West, the remaining teams were, were five, six, seven, and 8. So once the first round ended, you thought, holy man, everybody's got a chance to go to Stanley Cup now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great series. If Dwayne Rollison, who we just yeah. saw the other day in uh, – Florida, if he doesn't get hurt, the Oilers have a Stanley Cup ring in their finger today. I think mm. almost everyone would agree with that. Chris Pronger would have been Con Smythe. Yeah. And uh, Fernando Pisani was an absolute horse in that series. And you know what? They came down here. I think it was a 2-1 game going in the third period. Yep. Anybody's game, anybody's series. Canes win on an empty netter. I mean, hell of a series. just didn't go in his way. You remember game six here. I mean, the Oilers... And Craig McTavish said they almost played a perfect game in game yeah. six. It was as good as yeah. they, they could have played. Carolina said, Laviola said, we didn't play very well at all. That's coach, coach no. speak. But yeah. everyone just thought that the Oilers were going to go in and, and, and win game seven. That, that was the feeling. Everyone thought that. Well, well, you know, there's something about a game seven to a hockey player, too. Yeah. That I mean, first of all, game six, it was four, I think it was four nothing. Could have been ten nothing. Yeah. I mean, the Oilers absolutely they came back up there after. Fernando scored that goal in game five, went to Edmonton. They, the game was almost a formality. The orders were so good in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you come back here and you got guys like Rod Brindamore and just, was Justin Williams on that yep. team? Yep. Um, 
You know what? You got a bunch of veterans on both sides playing the game seven. They've been dreaming up since they were babies. You know, whatever happened before doesn't really matter anymore. And that's it was such a hotly contested game. And you get 40 NHL players playing with every single fiber of mm-hmm. their being in a game seven for the Stanley Cup final. You know, it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> You'll never see a group of hockey players leaving more on the ice mm-hmm. than you'll see in a Game 7 for Santa Cup Final. And unfortunately for uh, the folks that live where we live, the wrong guys won. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was tough. Uh, hey, Speck, we got a text in from you from Joe Bergman. Happy birthday, sweetheart, Speck. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much. <laughs> uh, another one, uh, you know what it was... Uh, E.I. Nate says, Stillman had a high stick on the empty netter against the glass. The only thing I remember about that play is that Chris Pronger had the puck and and I, maybe it was Stillman that came out to him. I don't know. But Pronger didn't think that he would be forced on the play. And I remember he got back to the bench. Charlie Huddy kind of leaned over and said, what happened? And Pronger just, he didn't have anything to say. He was just, you know, everyone was devastated at that point. Well, listen, man, Pronger was such oh. a leader and playing 27 minutes and you know, like, are we going to remember Chris Pronger in that series for a, a bad play that he made? I don't think no. so. No. <laughs> I don't think so. No. So tonight, uh, the Oilers looking to get a win on this road trip. And really, I mean, after two losses where, I mean, they're giving away goals. They're giving away leads. You touched on it in uh, a couple of your pieces and and, and, uh, and posts. Uh, five, I guess, five in the two games where they gave up leads. But yeah. Five times. So, you know, we were talking about the, the goals four for the Oilers. Only Tampa Bay and Philadelphia have scored more goals four than the Oilers in the first period. Doesn't make, you know, and so, but then you see what, what yeah. they do in the second. They've given up the most goals in the second period. So, I don't know. Yeah, where did this team become so fragile, yeah. right? How did this team become so fragile? And now you're five and ten or whatever it is, and, and you know, there's fragile, um, now there's pressure, Right, there's a lot of pressure here because you can't afford to lose many more. So, um, you know, I don't. It's it's just the whole story this season is amazing to me. To every hockey person that I speak to around the league as I travel, guys are walking up and saying, "Zach, like, what the heck is happening in Edmonton? Mm-hmm. Like, nobody. Not only did no one see this coming, you know, people have a the. It's easy to say, wow, it's obviously the goaltending. And all of us who watch the team play every day know that the goaltending hasn't been good enough, but it's not all about goaltending, right? (laughs) It's it's not all about goaltending. Sure, goaltending needs a fix, don't get me wrong. But the the number of things that have gone sour here, the power play that's operating at about, you know, something like 60% compared to last year's goals per 60 and you know, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's shooting percentages are down eight, nine, ten percent each. And uh, you know, def- a guy like Ekholm, who's spent a career in this league being a solid defender, has struggled most of the season. Bouchard, who was so good defensively last year with Ekholm, isn't this year. There's so many things that have gone sour, and you know, I guess if you could start to individually fix each one, you'd yeah. get back to having a pretty good hockey team. But that's a lot of boxes to check, and they better start checking them pretty quick here, Kev. Yeah, you know, that's the whole thing, Spec. is if you can just fix one problem right now, 
Then maybe you can get the next one fixed. Right. And then the next one. And then maybe you can, instead of uh, plugging a hole in a boat and another one popping out, maybe you can kind of, you know, stop taking on water here because that's what you feel that's been happening. Again, you mentioned it. Like last year, you know, Connor, Leon, Nuge, Hyman, they all had career years. And then, you know, Bouchard came in and was better than than, than Tyson Berry on the power play. And the goaltending <laughs> yeah. was fine. And the power play was one for three. The PK was good. All of those things have gone south. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's not just as easy as saying, well, the, the coaching staff has to hunker down to fix all this stuff. If every individual fixed their own game, a lot of it would come together, you mm-hmm. know. Evander Kane, I think, is, I should say, has been one of their best players this year. But he's got to stop taking penalties, minor penalties that are avoidable, right? He, you know, I know he plays a tough game, and I know that he hits, and he's going to get some penalties. We all, I get that. That guy's on your team. He's doing a lot of things. You've got to kill one for him once in a while. He's taking too many. So he fixes that. You know, if, if Bouchard can fix his own game defensively and, and you know, make some harder plays. Mm-hmm. If Ekholm can fix his own personal game, if if you know Connor McDavid looked like he maybe got a little bit of a fix last night, if Leon Dreisaitl can figure out whatever it is that they in his game. So my point is, if each individual just fixes their own game, right? Each guy take care of your own game. Mm-hmm. The collective is going to be so much better, Cap. This isn't, you know, it's, it's not all about the coach coming in and telling everyone what to do. These guys have been in the league a hell of a lot longer than Chris Knobloch has. Yeah. And I think that each guy's got to figure it out. Uh, totally agree, Speck. Uh, do you think, I mean, we've talked about Connor McDavid, just, uh, you know, he's at a point-a-game clip with six goals, nine assists, but uh, after the two goals, including the penalty shot goal, you know, on uh, Monday in Florida, is this where you think that now he can take his game and get it back to where, you know, he he wants it and we all know where it can be? Yeah, I think, I, I, and I'm I'm going to think positively on this. I think we're at we've met the intersection of. I think that his health is is pretty much going to be back up to par here. I think he's mm-hmm. nursed something for a long time. I think it's getting better all the time. And at the same time, his confidence was down. It's hard to believe, but even the great Connor McDavid loses confidence. And so I think we've reached an intersection of of the best health he's been in since he was hurt, mm-hmm. and the best confidence and composure he's been in in a long time. Those two goals went in. He had a jump and a step the rest of the game. So, yes, I think you're going to see peak Connor McDavid tonight. Uh, this guy wants nothing more than to be known as a leader and a guy that, in a situation like this, helped get his team out of it. You know, that's that's who this guy is. It's not about, you know, I've, I've said it before, it's not about individual trophies. I've heard him say it a mm-hmm. million times. He wants to be the guy that they look back and say, when things were down, this is the guy that got us out of it. This is his chance here tonight, and I think you'll see peak Connor McDavid. Well, we, we sure hope so. You know, you, you did mention the health thing, and I wanted to ask you about this, and maybe if you've noticed it being there, and because you're maybe there on a day-to-day basis, you don't notice it as much, but I've kind of, look at Connor now, he, his, he looks slighter. He looks like his maybe his his weight isn't up to where it was at the start of the year. Um, I mean, he he maybe looks a little more gaunt in the face uh, with his know. interviews. I, I'd like to know what his what his playing weight was at the start of the year to where it is now. That's interesting. I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, 
Just how, you know, when I you when you see them, you know, the, all the guys, you know, everyone's wearing the tight, you know, the Under Armour, da-da-da-da. Yeah. You can tell well, fit, what fit, a guy fit, is. Fit, right? So yeah. that's just one one little area. Maybe someone can, I don't know, I mean, what do you say? What's your weight? You don't see, you know, you never ask anybody, you know, what was your weight at the start of the year? What's your weight now? Yeah, or, right, have you leaned down or have you... You know, sometimes, like, I, I didn't see Connor McDavid come into the, into the season here and say, oh, you, you know, we didn't notice that you train differently in the summer and he's, he's lighter or he's heavier. I've seen, you know, I remember the time Jason Arnott showed up here and he put on, like, 14 pounds of muscle mm-hmm. and he couldn't play. Yeah. You know, he couldn't. He looked great in the beach and, and brutal on the hockey rink. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we've seen it before where yeah. guys change their body composition in, in a well-intended way, and it goes sour on him. I am not seeing that with Connor McDavid. I did not see a guy. I, I, you know, he looked when I saw him when camp started. He looked exactly the same. And to be honest, when I see him today, I don't know. I don't notice a difference. Okay. Yeah. Just something. Maybe think, I'll nibble around the edges on that if I get a chance to talk to him. Yeah. Who knows? Just something to maybe keep an eye on or something like that. So. Uh, well, why do you lose weight? You lose. You know. He like might be. Maybe. He's, maybe he's not. Maybe it's more than just an injury or something like that. Yeah, maybe you're sick. Like, you know. my point would be when you're injured, you don't lose weight. Mm-hmm. You lose other things. Yeah. You know, the only time you lose weight is if you're sick. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be straight with you. In today's world, if he was sick, um, even as great a player as he is, if Carter McDavid was sick, he wouldn't be hanging around the team as much as he's hung around the team. He's in the dressing room, yeah. he's on the bus, he's everywhere, and that just doesn't happen anymore in today's role. Yeah, just something I kind of noticed, like looking at older, like stuff from, you know, you know, you look at yeah, okay. stuff from, you know, a couple months ago and things like that, and just something, okay. just something I kind of, kind of threw out there and maybe noticed. Doctor Darius would like to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, a lot of everyone's wondering. Hopefully, you have a great birthday, Spec. I mean, wouldn't that be nice to get an Oilers win on your birthday? Yeah, yeah, they, I'd settle for that for sure. This, you know, we're when you talk about a hockey season in segments. This little segment of this four-game trip, uh, I think, when we left, it, the feeling was you go five hundred in the road, you're doing okay. Well, they're they're zero two with two to play, mm-hmm. so they could still go five hundred on the road. But this little segment here is. It's all a little bit at risk. That 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 two and two better has to start tonight, or it ain't going to happen. So, this is a tough building to win in. Always yes. has been. They're a structured, strong, good team here. Brendan Moore is an excellent coach, and his team plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. So, you don't get to come in here and play half half assed and win hockey games. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a decent game from the Oilers. They can do it. They can win in here, but they won't win in here playing the way they played the last two games. Well, uh, Speck, are you good for tomorrow at eight? Travel wise, everything okay for tomorrow? Uh, I don't know. I got to look. I'll text you. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it's the birthday. I'm out of memory. I'm and on. it's the birthday night. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'll be up. I'm not worried about that. I'll be up. I just don't want to fly. All right. Thanks, Beck. Talk to you tomorrow, buddy. All right. Thanks, folks. That's. That's Mark Spector on the mark, uh, energized uh, by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. Uh, where you can uh, check out their rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. Uh, text coming into one 401 Someone just sent a really long one in talking about goaltending percentage but didn't have a name on it. Give us your name, and we'll kind of uh, digest that one a little bit later in the show. When we come back, uh, Ryan Henkel covers uh, the Hurricanes for the Hockey News. That's coming up on Sports 1440 right after the break. 
Ah, the Oilers flipped heads tonight uh, in Carolina to take on the Hurricanes. 10-7, Oilers 5-11-1 coming in. Uh, time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we welcome in Ryan Henkel from the Hockey News, covers the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, good morning, Ryan. Welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, after a bit of a slower start, the Hurricanes seem to have uh, found their spot, found their groove, and have turned things around. What did you think have been the keys for that turnaround with this team? I think the Hurricanes are getting a little more dependable defense from their guys. You know, a couple of new guys on the blue line. Dmitry Orlov was one, you know, paired with Tony D'Angelo start of the season. Those guys hasn't always clicked for them, but as of late, I think Orlov has really come along to his own. He's playing on the penalty kill. He's getting time, more time at even strength, and I think the defense is really kind of solidifying, helping Carolina kind of push forward through that kind of lull they had. What do you think Orlov has offered, uh, you know, to this team on the blue line? Uh, he brings a little more physicality to the group. I know uh, last year was a thing, especially in that Florida series, that, you know, Carolina was a bit, maybe almost a pushover. He brings a little more physicality, but he's also a really good puck mover, you know, helps bring the puck up ice and can, you know, really get involved in plays like that. Where would you say that the goaltending situation is with Freddie Anderson on IR? Who knows how long? Um, that remains to be seen. But uh, now you've got Ranta and Kochetkov. Uh, how do you see things stacking up in goal for the Carolina Hurricanes? I think it's um, – I think Carolina's kind of confident right now for where they are. Auntie mm-hmm. Ranta has been unreal at PNC Arena. It's going to be 13 0 0. Currently, his last 13, just with unreal numbers. He's really, really good at home. And, you know, the numbers don't really tell the full story with Carolina. I think they allow the least amount of shots per game, 26 per game. And, you know, if you're a goaltender, you allow three goals and 26 shots, you're going to have an 880 save percentage. So I think the numbers can be a little misleading for the guys. But I think Ranta's been really solid the last few games, especially. He's been really good for Carolina. Kochkov is still kind of a you know a mixed bag for Carolina. He's had really good games shut out against Tampa, but there's also been games where you know you see him go down a little early or kind of misread some plays. But I think he's another guy who's developing. They're confident in him, and they like what they see in flashes. Our guest on Sports 1440 is Ryan Henkel from the Hockey News, covers the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, uh, Ryan. Uh, David Schlemko is our co-host uh, today, and uh, he's a good buddy of Jordan Martinuk, and he grabbed actually Jordan on a game day for us. Uh, you know, it was in the preseason a little while ago, but uh, Jordan off to a tough start. Can you tell us what's going on with uh, a local product that played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League here, Jordan Martinuk? Yeah, so Jordan's been a little snake bitten out of the late. And you can see it's kind of frustrating with him, too. He's, he's had really good chances around the net. His line with Jordan Stahl and Jesper Foss are perhaps one of the most dependable lines in hockey in terms of what they bring to the ice. You know, Rod Brenmore raves about this line. They're a premier shutdown line in the league, and they generate chances like nobody's business. But it just seems as of late, they just cannot buy a goal. Marnook had one against the Penguins. He puck in the air he bats it out and it just rings off the crossbar it's like he can't get close to the scoring <laughs> he's had chances in front it's just they'll come the goals will come but in terms of you know what he brings to the team that shut down premise with jordan stonius for Foss, it's the canes just they love him they love what marnick brings that energy and just 
the goals will come, but you know he's at least being effective in the role that the Kings need him to be in. Yeah, you know, for a guy that hasn't found the score sheet, and I mean, I guess you could say Jesper Foss is kind of same in the same boat, but you know, they're not allowing much. You know, they seem to be very uh, dependable defensively, and I mean, that's a, that's a staple. That's a that's a broad Brindamore textbook kind of line to throw out there at any given circumstance. Oh yeah, they just it's. You know, some people kind of joke. It's like almost like it's like crutch. It's like other oh, top line, top guys come in. Who are you going to do? Oh, Jordan Stalks going out there and you know play 15, 20 minutes a night. Doesn't matter how, however much that other guys are playing. You guys are going out there and you are just going to be glued to them. And they do such a good job at it too. I mean, you think back to like the playoffs. I think like Jack Hughes in New Jersey, Jordan Stahl was glued to him, and you know he just is so fr- You can see his frustration of just trying to be able to make plays, and you have a guy like Jordan Stahl huge workhorse and it's just what can you do mm-hmm. Ryan Hankel from the Hockey News our guest on Sports 1440 when you look at uh, we always talk about roster construction here in Edmonton because at times it looks flawed how would you assess uh, what Don Waddell how he has put together this lineup bringing guys in uh, you know guys like you know Brent Burns and things like that but also as far as the draft and, and free agents and things like that where would you give uh, Don Waddell a grade on how he's put this Carolina team together I would give Don an A I mean mm-hmm. he's really done a great job in kind of targeting players the Carolina really does a good job I think it's a whole as a department they it's like a brain trust almost with especially system GM uh, Eric Tolsky and the whole analytics department, they do such a good job with their pro scouting and whatnot to find players that maybe are, you know, underrepresented or not performing at the same level as some of their other teams and being able to bring them into the fold. I think of like a Brady Shea from New York comes in, has maybe a slow start, but he's been mm-hmm. exceptional with partner Brett Pesci. I think of like a Stephen Mason who had 40 plus goals in the AHL and then comes in Carolina and he's filling this, you know, he plays on the fourth line, but he can also play in the power play. He produces steady producer. Um, you know, I think on the back end, you like you said, Brent Burns being able to, that's just one of those players you think of, you know, Brent Burns, you think of him as like a shark all day. And then all of a sudden Carolina makes his trade and it's for Brent Burns. And you're like, what just happened? Brent Burns, that guy. And I think Carolina's done just such a good job of targeting guys that they know can come in and, and play a role on their team. You know, they're not looking for a guy to come in and be this breakout superstar, but they, you know, fill a role and do your job. I think yes, Barry Kokanami is another player yeah. from Montreal, you know, was maybe on the outcast at the time as our RFA negotiations after being scratched in the playoffs. Carolina makes the offer sheet. We all know mm. a little fiasco there. But he's really coming to his own as a player as of late. He's, he's matured. He's grown. And Carolina has done a really good job of identifying players that think can fit their role, fit their team, and just you know come in and do a job. You know, yeah, as we speak with uh, Ryan Hankel, that offer sheet for uh, Cook and Niemi didn't go over too well in Montreal. But how much is Sebastian Ajo uh, helped, uh, uh, you know, a fellow Finn here? Uh, I think it's huge. You know, I, I talk to a couple of Finns all the time. You know, you know, you have Ajo, you have Terabine, and you have Kokanami, you have Ranta. Yeah. It's, they talk so much about how comforting it is to have someone you can speak your language with, someone you can, you know, share, you know, your culture with, somebody you can, and they spend so much time together. You know, Ajo and Terabine are super close friends, roommates, used to be roommates. Uh, and like Kokanami and Ranta, they would they would spend holidays together. They would have like you know Christmas together. There's there's so much of a camaraderie between them, and it's you can have such a comfort level being able to speak language. I know it can be hard, especially for young players to come in if you don't have as much of that kind of 
culture, the guys to help you, it can it can be hard, especially, you know, mm. with coconut meat in a, in a market like Montreal, where there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of, you know, people talking about you. Our guest today on Sports 1440 is uh, Ryan Hinkle to set up the Oilers and Carolina Hurricanes tonight. In Carolina, Oilers come in with a 5-11-1 record, Carolina 10-7. and uh, Carolina a little bit better on the power play, but... You know, both penalty kill units have struggled a little bit. And, you know, I always think of Rod Brindamore being one of the best penalty killers, you know, when he played. And that hasn't been able to translate a whole lot this year. Is there a reason why do you think, uh, uh, Ryan, that the, the, the Kings penalty kill has been sort of just uh, like middle of the road? I think it really started. I think it was it struggled early the season. They, they had the long six-game road trip, and that was really – the penalty kill was just completely just off. And it was, uh, they were allowed, I think they allowed seven of 11 of their power play goals against came within like 30 seconds of the start of the kill. They were just losing the opening draw. And it just seemed like after they lost that draw, it was just like a, you know, like a fire drill. Everyone was running around, couldn't cover a man. And everything was just kind of going in. But really as of late, their penalty kill has been exceptional. I think the last few games they've allowed just like one in the last like five games or so. The penalty kill has been really, really good mm. for them as of late. I think it's just kind of it's just a process of a gelling. You know, they had new guys. Seth Jarvis was introduced into the penalty kill unit. He's now in the top top uh, top pairing with Jordan Stahl. He's also taking faceoffs. Then you know, Dmitry Orlov is the killing penalties. Took some time for him to come along. And I think it's just kind of one of those things where you see where you know, start of the season maybe guys were panicking and just you know everything wasn't gelling. But now yeah. as of late, the Kings have really kind of come to their own. They they were like in the bottom four for penalty kill like seven games and now they've they've dragged it all up to 15th they're really coming together and i think it's really been a strength for them in the last you know seven or eight games yeah and and conversely on the power play i mean carolina's power play has been pretty darn good what do you think the keys uh, to that success have been this year i think it's just the talent that they've brought in i mean they have such a depth of talented wingers and like even someone like Stephen nation plays on the fourth line he's a power play guy he he goes to the front of the net he's really good in that kind of in that role, but they also have two, you know, really good puck movers of Brent Burns, Tony D'Angelo, who can facilitate a blue line really well. And Carolina, Rod Brendamore likes a joke. He doesn't have power play one, power play two. He has, he just has two power play units and he's, he's comfortable sending either one out in any situation. I think Carolina just has so much depth of like, especially winger talent too, that they can just, you know, really plant guys up there and just doesn't matter. You know, you have second line, you have Sechnikov on the second line, who's just, you know, a 30 goal scorer yeah. in this league. It's, it's just such a amount of talent that Carolina can really kill people with, you know, either or. Mm-hmm. Ryan Hankel from the Hockey News covers the Hurricanes uh, as the Canes take on the Oilers tonight. You know, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, for us up here, it's a big thing to watch what happens in the United States, uh, Ryan. So do you think, I guess, hockey is making a little bit of an impact, a little bit of a dent, a little bit of a dent into the – you know, you know. Tonight there's a lot of games. Tomorrow there are no games. Friday there are a lot of games. So, I, I understand what the NHL is trying to do as far as scheduling and 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 things like that go. But with football being so prevalent, uh, you know, in this three day stretch, four day, five day stretch in the U.S., do you feel that hockey's kind of making a little bit of a an inroad in the southern United States at a, a such a big football time? You know, at this time of the the, the calendar. Yeah, I think hockey's definitely gotten a lot bigger, especially in Carolina. I know I've, I've grown up here my whole life, and like, you know, it's been the ebbs and flows of you know the team was down for a decade after winning the cup, but it's just so it, the popularity has really skyrocketed around here. I mean, you have I joke with like you have 
NC State, Duke, UNC here, like mm-hmm. such a big college area. But the one thing that all those fans can agree on is the hell of the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. And it's just, it's been a growth. And like you said, uh, football will always be, I think, the number one. And it'll be just you don't want to compete with a thing, a tradition like the Thanksgiving football day games. But I think uh, hockey is just it's become so big. I mean, you have teams like Dallas that have really kind of come into their own. Mm-hmm. You saw Nashville when they were good, how popular and how loud that barn was. Obviously, Florida went into the cup final, and now they've sold out, I think, three games in a row. Tampa, obviously, a big team, too. Like, once these teams become good and the talent is there and people want to come, I think the the thing is, like, nobody wants to watch a bad team. <laughs> and, yeah. and now that you have owners in all these places putting the money in, bringing talent in, people are like, oh, look at this awesome sport that we can go watch. What, what shakes down in the Hankel household over the next three days? It's going to be a lot of driving for me. I, yeah. uh, I'm at my fiance's parents now, and then I'll be driving up to my parents. Also, after that, and it's just going to be a lot of, a lot of movement. And like, do you so do you do you get to cover games? Do you watch games? What do you do in the next couple of days? So I'll actually be missing tonight's game for the first time. Yeah, my first game of the season. But I'll be back Friday for the games. I like I'm at every game. Yeah, got my seat up in press row, and I'll be I cover as much as I can of the Hurricanes daily content. It's got to be exciting, though, for sure, to even watch at this time of the year to see, um, you know, where not just hockey, but all sports, you know, everything's kind of coming together. I mean, basketball, as you mentioned, get going. You know, football's humming along. I mean, the Panthers suck, but that's the way it goes, I guess. Listen, as long as they got something to share for in Carolina. <laughs> Good old Carolina Hurricanes team. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Appreciate your time. Yeah, no worries. Thanks yeah. for having me. And happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. That's uh, Ryan Hankel from the Hockey News covers the Hurricanes and our uh, puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Uh, you can head to FountainTire.com, check out the winter tire lineup and also brand offerings to go along with winter tire storage. When we come back, a little open line time, open text time. We've got uh, texts coming in, one 401 What will the score be tonight? Oilers in Carolina. I think we have one out of all of them so far, Duke, that said the Oilers will win. Not a lot of confidence. Not a lot of optimism right now, but uh, yeah, send us your predictions. Who? What do you think the score is going to be? How do you think the game's going to shake out? Uh, we talked about Ranta and Ryan Henkel kind of uh, added to that as well. Yeah, so uh, struggling penalty killing Carolina, which is surprising. Like you said, the Oilers' power play pretty Puck. much in the same boat. So it, yeah. uh, you know, unstoppable force meets an immovable object. <laughs> he did say the PK unit has been a lot better the mm-hmm. last little bit. It was yeah. tough on the first six games when they were on the road. So uh, penalty kill unit, uh, even though it is ranked. Uh, Number 15, pardon me, uh, what is it? Uh, yep, 15 in the league. Uh, Oilers are 28th in the league, 72.7%. Carolina, 79.3%, ranked 15th, right in the middle of the pack. So uh, we'll get to some of your texts, one 401 When we come back, after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, 841 in Edmonton. Top of the hour, we will uh, check in with uh, David Schlemko, our Co-host on Wednesdays, 9 to 11, the former NHLer will bring in uh, a teammate of uh, Schlemmer's, uh, Vern Fiddler. At uh, 10 o'clock uh, before that, uh, Rash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet will guest with us at uh, 9.20. Talk a little Canada soccer, Great Cup, uh, everything else. Uh, text coming in about the score for tonight. Uh, Oilers and Hurricanes. Bill says 5-3 Whalers. Yes, the old Whalers. I used to have Duke, uh, old Hartford Whalers jersey. Uh, but on the back of it was a name bar that said 
P, letter P, and the last name Tosh. Do you, do you pick up what I'm laying down there? I don't. <laughs> Please elaborate. Okay, well, uh, Peter Tosh, the old reggae, he was one of the top reggae guys going. You a big reggae fan back in the day, Hey, Sam? come on, man. That's my style. Okay. <laughs> so Peter Tosh played with Bob Marley and okay. the Whalers. Yes, it so makes sense. now it makes it Whalers. See, it was a play on words. I got you. I got you. Okay. Yeah, the, the joke's way better after you explain <laughs> it to me, naturally, like most jokes are. Silicone Steve says, Kane 6, Oily Boys 4. Hey, boys, this comes from the Big M. Sprinkled some cash on the Hurricanes tonight. Canes will come out quick, and Oilers' confidence will be shattered. Who knows? We might see someone break a stick in frustration. Uh, my apologies go out to what I thought was EI, Nate, which me, I guess you would think employment insurance, Nate, you know. so <laughs> Not in moniker. I think most people want to have associated with them. Anyway, he goes, you're killing me, Kevin. It's L, Nate. But if you look at the top bar, it would come across as EI, Nate. It's tough when, uh, when whomever, I'm not going <laughs> to say whom, but I know it wasn't me because I always, there was no space between the L and the N. Yes. So it looks a little more like EI, Nate. And even still, when you put a space, it's tough. But then I figured if I capitalize both the E and the L in the context save, then people just read it as EL, Nate. Right. So, it, so we're kind of in a lose-lose situation. I here. think he's kind of, is he going for the El Nino kind of thing? or It's just El Nate. Maybe he's a, an Espanol. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get back to what we touched on earlier, Duke, and I was going to throw this out at you again because I love throwing stuff at the Duke, things that happened before he was born because sometimes some guys are sports historians and Duke is a sports historian. He likes to go back to the back in the day and, and things like that. So I love that kind of stuff. I love going back, you know, whatever. And I'd like to have Gelly into the studio someday. We can talk about all the things that happened 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, in 1981, today, the Edmonton Eskimos, then the then Eskimos, won the Great Cup over the Ottawa Rough Riders. Mm. The Ottawa Rough Riders. Now, the spread going into this game, Duke, unheard of, 22 and a half points. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 22 and a half. So... You don't even, re- okay, this is way back, so I'm not going to give you any context. You're just, you're taking you're taking the points, aren't you? Like the dogs? Yeah, you're taking the dog here, 22 that and a half. That is way, this is in a Grey Cup game. Grey Cup game, 22 and a half. Because the record for a Super Bowl was the Giants-Patriots, I believe, and I think it was double digits. You can't, which one, is that like? The undefeated Patriots. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I believe that's the record for the biggest spread in a Super Bowl. And I can't remember Eli exactly Manning what it was. Comes back and, and then the, the Giants, of course, pull off the upset. But 22 points. 22 and a half, okay. The- that's what you see in like a, a Friday night college football game between <laughs> some, like Alabama playing Vanderbilt or something. I was just going like- to say, so that, that year, the Esks were 14-1-1 coming in to the uh, Great Cup. Five and eleven were the Ottawa Rough, Rough Riders. Riders. <laughs> All one word, no two words. Two words. Theirs was two Theirs words. Was two words. Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan is one, one word. word. Okay. Yes. So, the score at halftime was twenty to one for Ottawa. <laughs> Duke, you got. I wish we imagine, had a camera on ima- the Duke. Imagine, kid. imagine if uh, you had you bet the, you took the points on the dogs for, yeah. and you're at halftime. 
you're probably laughing. You're laughing and laughing and laughing. You're well thinking. Ma- what would have the money line been looking like? I have no clue. Uh, it was in Montreal at Olympic Stadium. That's where the game was. I mean, so you're down, but think about it. This was when the then Eskimos had their five in a row. Yes. So this was their fourth in a row Great Cup win. So they came back and won it 26-23. That was the final score in the game. So, so they did not cover. They didn't cover, but yeah. But to be down at that point, uh, I mean, it was a... Uh, Dave Cutler kicked the last second field goal, basically. Not last second, but it was in the last little bit to win uh, 26-23. But 22 and a half points, that was the difference. Fourth straight Great Cup uh, you know, Warren Moon, I think, if I remember correctly, Warren Moon was replaced by Tom Wilkinson and came in and helped uh, the then Green and Golders uh, win it. J.C. Watts was the quarterback for Ottawa, went on to be a congressman wow. in the United States. He was, Isn't that something? This is like, I mean, there's more storylines in that. Like, I mean, Danny Ray Kepley came. I mean, the, obviously the defense shut Ottawa down in the second half got the offense uh, the chance to get rolling and things like that. But they would w- win one more great cup the following year. And, you know, we were talking about it earlier in the week. Winnipeg Blue Bombers had a chance to kind of get... In almost, that realm of conversation. Right on, you know. But then you only win two or four, and it's kind of like a nothing burger. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I now I don't feel like Winnipeg... We were talking, right? We said three or four, that's a dynasty, yeah. even though there's only nine, nine teams. teams. But... But, you, I mean, hey, three championships in that short of time span is still impressive regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but two of four, it's it's kind of a nothing. Uh, here's what I will say, Kevin, and this once again links back to some comparisons yeah. that I can relate to a little bit more in yeah. recent memory. With the, the double E being down by that score half, was were people actually concerned that they were going <sighs> to lose that game? I think because so. Look at the Patriots when they were down 28-3 mm-hmm. to three to the Falcons. Yeah. A lot of, like, everyone was uh, up in arms, but you have to think that there was still a belief that, like, if anybody can do this, it's Tom Brady and these Patriots. And, of course, they did. It was mm-hmm. one of the best Super Bowls of all time, uh, the best comeback of all time. Like, did that same belief exist with the, the double E For fans? For sure. Yeah, no yeah. Do, no, no. When you've already won it. three straight great cups and you come in as that heavy a favorite, like, you have to think people are saying, okay, this is bad. But if there's a team that can do yeah. it, it's these guys. I remember talking to Danny Ray Kepley about that game, and and I sorry I flipped it up. It was Warren Moon in for for Wilkie, mm. uh, and Warren Moon came on in the second half with a couple of TD runs and things like that. Um, he, you know, Kepley said there wasn't anything that was even said at halftime. It was like just wake up here, wake up. I think you know they probably thought again. You look at a twenty-two and a half point spread and you're thinking we are the total favorites we just cruise but then they just started to play their game in the second half and um they uh, everyone knows how dominating that that spread was that 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 team was for that four or five year spread they were phenomenal uh text coming in for tonight's scores uh hey boy six four oilers tonight this is the jammer not the hammer the jammer uh the power play will click a few times tonight uh, okay, this was Matt. So Matt sent this in now. Matt's talking about everyone is baffled by the Oilers' start to the season and just can't figure out what is going wrong. And the answer is really quite simple. It's discovered in four things. Last year in all but five Oiler wins, the opposition goaltenders had a combined save percentage of 860. So first of all, Matt, please tell us where you figured out that exact 
sat. So here's like, the where, th- like, where do you get this, that? Well, th- if this would be going and just take like every Oilers win, and this would take time to calculate yes. like, unless there's some place that can aggregate it for you. But it's a weird thing. You're saying all but five Oilers wins combined save percentage. So you're just taking five wins where they where teams had goaltenders play well, play well against you, and totally eliminating that from the the stat. Or from the, well, I the, get the, what da- he's trying the data to, set. I get what he's trying to get at, though. He, he, I, I totally get it, but you have to also keep in mind the context. And because he's going to say that's that's bad goaltending. Yes, that's even worse than what the Oilers have got this season uh, from their collective of uh, what's now been three goaltenders play for them. So I, I get what he's saying on that step, but it is also like if you're using a data set, mm-hmm. that in this, depending on statistics, I took some uh, stats <laughs> in my time. Um, you so do, you do, elim- you do eliminate outliers, but you also have to eliminate outliers from On the, the other, other end. end as well. You have to take yes. the mean, right? If you're pulling from the middle of a bell curve. So right. it, uh, it's, it's a bit of stat picking. On, on this specific one, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll carry on. It's a long message. It We've is. Got and more then he, to say. And then he said Stu Skinner, which we, we talked about, all the guys off the Oilers last year, career years, and Stu Skinner was a Calder Trophy finalist. Uh, this team is not as bad as the record shows this year, but not nearly as good as the record showed last year. The last thing I'll say is that we were virtually injury-free last year. This year we have some guys playing banged up. I think that gives a comprehensive explanation of what's going on, and similar to what we did talk about with Mark Spector. Career years, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Calder finalist, Stuart Skinner, power play, best ever in the history of hockey, penalty kill, pretty good. That's seven things right there. Basically injury-free, bang. Uh, every one of those categories has dropped off this year. Hence, you see a 5-11-1 record. Uh, Jordan goes, it is easy. They can't outscore their mistakes this year, and the goaltending is worse. Hmm. Hey, Tiger comes in. I remember that game very well. I remember, and we're talking about the 1981 Great Cup. Happened uh, 1981 uh, today, November 23rd. Uh, 22nd, pardon me. It was a 26-23 victory for the then Edmonton Eskimos over the Ottawa Rough Riders. I remember that game very well. Ron Este, they were interviewing on the sidelines, and he was almost crying, saying they're trying as hard as they can. The Swamp Dog. That was a, That's one of the all-time nicknames, Duke. The Swamp Dog. Swamp Dog. dog. Ron that is a great nickname. Este. Way better. You know, now they just shorten long names, lengthen short names. That, yeah, that might be a, a topic to come up in, uh, in or out one of these days about nicknames because like, the, the nicknames these days kind of stink. Yes. I mean, even... Like, what's the best hockey nickname out there right now? Wow. I mean, a lot of the names you don't, like, I always thought, too, like, to me, okay, Ryan McLeod, they call him Clowder. To me, he should just be Cloudy. You know, and if (laughs) I were playing, you know, okay, Cloudy, right? But if he's got a line mate that he's been playing with a long time, like, uh, I don't know if you want to just use Dylan Holloway. Let's use Dylan Holloway. He was on on that line for a bit, right? Well, he should be sunny. Yeah, you know, I, I get where you're coming from you there. Know, for stuff sure. like that. Here's 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 one of my favorite ones right now, and it also like I get it. He had it before, or at least it was. So the Panthers, 
we call them the big cats. Like, that's yeah. what the Pan- Panthers are, big cats. But Andre Vasilevsky, the goaltender for their state rivals, he is the big cat. Mm-hmm. And the big cat's a nickname that's been recycled 100 times over uh, across sports. A lot of yeah. people have had that nickname, including Tiger Woods himself. Mm-hmm. But I think Vasilevsky being called the big cat is a great nickname. And, I mean, Patty Kane, we're kind of closing in on him, maybe picking a team. Showtime, that's pretty slick. He, but, but he but, I mean, goes by Kaner, right? But it's the thing. We have nicknames that the media uses, yeah. and then there's nicknames that they actually call each other in the dressing room. And here's one that actually I know for a fact because it goes okay. back to the team that I keep close tabs on. Corey Perry, everybody calls him Worm. Worm, yeah. That's a pretty – like it's yeah. – it doesn't play mm-hmm. quite as good for the media's sake, but that's a – it's a nickname that's not as boring. Like no, they, I'm sure they still just call him Pears. Yeah. But Worm, people call him Worm. Well, I mean – how about this to our our listeners? Would you rather me at the start of this fifty five, well fifty six souls ago, we could have went with Dougie Doogie for Brandon Douglas. Instead, we went with the Duke. What do you like better, the Duke or Dougie? Shorten a long uh, a long name, lengthen a short name, or. Do you come in with something like the Duke of Delburn that's riding the high plains, the ranch out in Delburn, mending fences? Maybe we'll play a Desperado <laughs> coming out of the next break here. Story of my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's a good one too. Uh, didn't someone say that I was singing some all the the Eagles' greatest hits album? This well, yeah, was a while we back? played "Take It Easy," but yeah. the Travis Tritt cover of it uh, like, out of a break yesterday, yeah. which is I actually prefer the I, Travis Tritt version. Hmm. Um, and somebody said, "Was that Carius singing, not Travis Tritt?" And they said they'd like to get their hands on a yeah. Kevin Carius cover <laughs> cover album of all the Eagles' greatest hits. <laughs> Much like the, the well, Eagles do their Christmas album, we should do a Sports 1440 uh, Greatest you, Hits collection. But you, on that album, there were all the country artists that there were some great covers from the Eagles. The Eagles covers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And who else? So besides well, Travis Cl- Tritt. Well, Clint Black did yeah. a Desperado cover, which there, is yeah. tremendous. Um, and then there, there's, I mean, there's lots of other ones uh, that mm-hmm. off the top of my head, forgive me. But those are the two that are my favorites that stand out yeah. uh, kind of up against the test of time. I think we'll get into nicknames. Well, Schlemmer's just outside the doors here. Like, there's another one. I bet he's going to have a whole whack. We'll talk about those uh, maybe uh, right off the hop at 9 o'clock. Uh, David Schlemko will be with us, Arash Madani, and Vernon Fiddler. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update. Uh, brought to you by Michener Allen Auctioneering. Their next public timed automotive RV auction is now open for bidding. Go to info at maauctions.com. Here is the Duke. 